Hi, and welcome to episode 118 of No Crying in Baseball, the what a hell of a week it's been episode. Jeez, oh, Pete. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. You going to be okay? I'm hanging in there. I didn't know if I could do this today. I was really like, can I say anything on this podcast? I am so distraught. But here we are. But here we are. You know, we know that all y'all who are listening to us, did I say that right? I'm starting to learn something. All y'all, yeah, here we are in the South, in Maryland. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, We know that you are suffering as well. So we are here to bring some cheer to you this week. Really, we will. We will. And we're also going to rant, but we're going to save the rant for later, Uh just so as you know. On this week's show, our boyfriends, Rangers and Cubs, we're not letting the scandal get away from us. We're going to talk about it. We're going to rant about it. We're going to be sad about it. We have good news about women in baseball. Welcome to Alyssa Nakin and winter baseball updates. That sounded happy. I think I think we can stick to a little bit of happy here. There's happy. There's always a little bit of happy and a little bit of what the fuck. Yeah. Like it's, maybe that should be our tagline. A little bit of happy and a little bit of what the fuck. I am totally behind that. I could totally get behind that. <laughs> we just can't put that on t-shirts, can we? I, sure we could. Yeah. Of course we could. It's you just can't done. wear them in it's public. Been done. I, I'd wear that. I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of silver linings, trying to look at the silver lining about this. We've been talking about assholes for a long time, the guys who get busted for domestic violence, and it happens. And last year, we talked about Odubo Herrera of the Phillies, and he's been DFA'd. And I'm just going to put this out there that I'm hoping that this is a sign of things to come, that teams might take issues like this into account when they're making decisions about who the players are. Now, his numbers weren't great either, but they still owe him $19.5 million. So letting him go, I'm hoping, is a statement that, you know what, we don't want to keep a guy like this on our team. Right. And so remember, DFA is designated for assignment. That's basically, we've let you go. The other person in a similar situation with domestic violence and all of that is Addison frickin' Russell, who was let go or DFA'd by the Cubs. And he's also still floating around out there. No one has picked him up yet either. So this is interesting. Yeah, I I hope it's a trend-setting thing. We're going to start off positive on today's show. We're going to get even more positive with our boyfriends. And we are staying committed to our rules. We pick guys who are cool and not assholes. So they can't have been involved in any of the aforementioned shit, nor the shit that we're going to be talking about soon enough. They have to be good guys on the field, off the field, but something just a little quirky that reaches out to each one of us. We each pick one guy per team, and we do one AL, one NL every week. Right now, we are in the middle because we start from the bottom, work our way up. We're with the Texas Rangers in the American League this week. I am picking Joey Gallo who uh, I first was drawn to because of his nickname listed was Pico de Gallo. And he does, it is pronounced Gallo, not Gallo. But is it really? I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. But Pico de Gallo is not Pico de Gallo? Well, Pico de Gallo is Gallo, but not Pico de Gallo. And I okay, think he's so, Joey's so the food, Gallo. Okay, so the food the, is Gallo. Right, right, right. Yeah, so he's yes, like, Gallo's not. Right, twi- okay. Twisting Whew. it just a little bit. And here I thought I had a, I had a like, handle on at least food-related Spanish. Yeah, Whew. yeah. So he's, he's connected to the food sort of just by spelling. Right. Okay. So he's an outfielder, left field, center field. I think he was pretty split between the pr- two positions last year. Actually, the Rangers outfield has been a big tryout situation. So I was trying to figure out somebody who is going to be sticking in there through this year. And I'm thinking that Gallo, Gallo, is one that's going to stay. He's 26 years old. And 
I, I can't remember how many years he's been with the Rangers. It's like four, I think. I'm surprised to hear he's 26. I was feeling like he was more of a veteran that had been around longer. Yeah, but he hasn't had the numbers. So his hmm. his numbers were pretty low the first few seasons. And I'm pretty sure it's just like four, maybe five. I don't know. Okay, I'll do my homework someday, really, folks. Um, but this last year was his breakout year. And he actually made it to be an all-star because his first half was really killer. So before the all-star game, he was batting 275 with 20 home runs before the all-star game, 46 RBI. Now his second half, unfortunately, he didn't keep it. He was down to 253. But I am hopeful that because that was his career high, that things are just going to get better for Joey Gallo. I am sad to hear that his buddy, Nomar Mazara, was traded to the White Sox because the guys were such good friends that one of the little friendly things that they did when one was coming on or off the field was grab each other's crotches. So I was take I took my lead on this from Outsports because I feel like if they say that it's okay, I'm okay with it. And their attitude was that men don't do that enough in the open. Like shit happens in the locker room that we don't see, like a lot of butt grabbing and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But as far as like being comfortable touching each other, even if it's just sort of like, and it wasn't even joking. Like there's some video of it and one's coming off the field. It's sort of like, you know, good job, bro. And he grabs his crotch. Like he really Instead of like a high five, it's a low two? Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) Or three, depending on how you count. But there was actually like a total tangent on this. Did you know that the Cubs did? Wait, that sent you on a tangent? I can't imagine. <laughs> yes. Did you know that the Cubs did crotch bumping in the in the World Series when they won the World Series? I should have saved this for our Cubs time. But like one of the things that they did in the dugout after a good hit was bump crotches. There is video of that too. I will make sure I get it to you for the notes. You're looking really I have perplexed. No response to that. All right. Wow. So the things that pique my attention I here, you can see. To them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more about Joey. He's a good guy. He has a Labrador retriever named Ranger. So I'm thinking that's a good sign that he's going to stay with the Rangers. And we always look for longevities because it gets so complicated when our guys swap teams. Um, so he has this dog. And he has been connected with this no-kill shelter called Operation Kindness. And it started when he did some sort of bit with them and, and went to the shelter for an ad. And the dogs were adopted. Like, you show him playing with the dogs. He posts it. People say, oh, cute dog, and they get the dog. And so it's like a win, everybody wins situation. So he's going to be continuing his work with Operation Kindness, total baseball boyfriend plus. Also, my last poorly chosen baseball boyfriend with the Rangers was Ronald Guzman, who was known for his wingspan, the condor, but he really had shit numbers last year after I chose him. One of the things I talked about, about how I admired him because of that wingspan, he was called the condor, and he adopted a condor through the World Wildlife Fund. Well, the only other ranger who also adopted an animal through the World Wildlife Fund was Joey, who got a Joey, a Joey kangaroo. And and he even said, we both love animals, so we thought a good way to do that would be to help endangered animals. So I've got the boyfriend connection going. I have one more boyfriend connection. The guy I chose last year for the Cubs, Chris Bryant, grew up with Joey Gallo in Las Vegas, and their dads were buddies because both their dads played pro ball, but neither one made the majors, but they were both in there for a little while, and they coached the youth baseball. So his their dads were friends. They kind of grew up together. Um, and, and little known fact that Joey Gallo broke 
another famous Las Vegan baseball player. Is that the way to say it? Las Vegan? I think just Las Vegan. Las Vegan. Las Vegan. So who else do you know from Las Vegas? That's easy. Yeah. That's easy. Liberace. Okay. <laughs> or Bryce Harper. Or Bryce Harper. Oh, a ball player. Yeah. Oh, a ball player. Yes, he, Bryce Harper. He broke Harper's record for a 10-year-old in a Las Vegan tournament. So They've had hey. 10-year-olds hitting home runs in Las Vegas. Yeah. Right? that desert air. There, that's got to be it. You got to put those, those uh, baseballs in the humidor. So that's my guy. And yeah, the other thing with Chris Bryant is they played in the Futures game together. And a mom shout out. I always love the mom shout outs. His dad was involved as the coach, the part-time coach, but he also worked really long hours. So his mom was the one who did a lot of noticing about his play and giving him pointers. So yay, mom. We do love the moms. Mm -hmm. Okay, I had this weird thing happen when I selected my boyfriends. We've got the Rangers and also the Cubs today. And I picked these guys separately. And then when I started doing my notes, I kept saying, wait a minute. Wait, didn't I just type this? Because both of my guys are named Nicholas. Both of them are brainy guys. Both of them. <laughs> Who would think that with you, right. picking the brainy guys? Both of them played on college teams named the Cardinals, different colleges. Huh. They both played in the Cape Cod League. And they both play second base at least some of the time. So you had a subconscious theme going this week. I did. I did. Let's start with the Nick who plays with the Rangers. And that would be Nick Solak. Second base, usually he's 25. Usually he's 25? Usually plays second base. <laughs> Got, okay. He's been 25 for at least a couple of months now. <laughs> and I think for a few more months, we can, we can be sure of that. He was born in Woodridge, Illinois. Went to the University of Louisville on both athletic and academic scholarships. Yay, smart guys. He was drafted by the by the Yankees in the second round in 2016. But don't worry, because not long after that, um, he went actually in 2018, he went to the Rays in a three team, seven player deal. Wow. Very complicated. And then to the Rangers just this past year in July, right before the trade deadline. He debuted almost immediately in August. He was they planned on him being a September call-up back when we had those through this past year. But Nomar Mazar, who we just talked about, was injured, and so they called him up early. So there he was, weeks before he thought he was going to get called up. But um, in that little bit of time that he, he that he managed to play in the bigs, he hit five home runs and had an 884 OPS. So that's pretty good. When he was with the Rays, he played – Second base and outfield. Now, again, this was all AAA. Right. So until this past August, everything I'm talking about is but was in the minors. Um, but he's really kind of a natural second baseman. And his AAA coach said he's already playing second base, at least average for major league players, which, as we know, is better than replacement players. Right. Remember, the AAA is like the replacement mm -hmm. level. He's playing like yep. MLB average and thinks he's going to actually be better than that. He's going to be competing with Odor for second for starting at second base. So Rugi. Rugi. Yeah. So spring training is going to be interesting for him. Um, Odor didn't have great numbers. This year, and I, don't, and I don't like Odor. He's and, on the not not boyfriend list you know, for me, right? And so and Solak is an up and comer, so I'd be okay if he if he knocked mm -hmm. him out of second. They also played him a whole bunch at third base, which he had not really ever played before when he got called up in September, because they really they were short. They were way short in the, in the world of third base. They wanted to see if this guy could do it. And he was okay. He was learning. But just recently, um, the Rangers signed Todd Frazier. So they've got a third baseman now who would keep Nick out of that. but And they're, they're still in conversations about Arenado. So 
who knows? Yeah, because actually I, I saw that they could bump Frazier to first because right. Guzman aforementioned tanker. Right, yeah. right. So if they get Arenado, Frazier goes to first, Arenado mm-hmm. plays third, and Solak can be anywhere they need him. He's sort of like, at that point, he's like in second, second in line in a whole bunch of different positions. He, because he's from the Midwest, I've learned this. It's a, a new thing I learned when his coaches were talking about him. Players that grow up in the Midwest come into the minor leagues as great batters, but not necessarily great defense compared to players who play year round in warmer climates. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the that Midwest folks in the winter, they're in the batting cages. So their batting skills are fantastic, but they're not fielding because it's snowing outside. It's mm-hmm. too damn cold. And the nickname for those guys are the hockey kids that come from the Midwest because that's what they're going to do in in the colder months. But uh, but Nick Swalock actually did play hockey from the time he was a little kid all the way through travel teams. And he said the thing he learned from hockey is go hard all the time. His defense is not yet pretty. See, hockey kid above. But they said he makes the plays, so he gets there. So his defense is not sexy, but he's got he's got the good bones. He can get there, which is cool. And they said he wants to fail forward, which means you're going to keep trying stuff. You're not afraid to try things that you haven't done before, even if you're going to fail and then learn from it and keep going. And I like that a lot. Um, his mom, shout out to mom, right, tells a story of that she and, and Nick's dad had to always decide who was taking turns this time going with Nick to baseball or their daughter Alexis to her softball games because she played in college, too. So there's, there's a, you know, it's a big athletic family. And Nick says, my mom especially, she's always on me like she's my hitting coach. She'll tell me I can't go to sleep until I visualize hitting 20 balls in the gap. <laughs> that is the best. And Yay, mom. And apparently when, when he was playing in college, when he was playing um, at Louisville, his mom would just bounce all over the stands. And his his teammates would say, your mom's really into this. I can and relate. boy, did I see myself. I'm like, oh, my God, if that were my kid, that <laughs> yeah. would totally be me. Totally. Whole family way into um, into baseball. They used to go to um, Arizona to watch the White Sox in spring training, which is very cool. And he just got engaged to his uh, to his girlfriend, Roxanne, who was a champion volleyball player at the at the University of Louisville. And when asked the question, who's the better athlete? They say, it depends which sport, which I like. So when they first met, they met at a bar. And the next night they went out to dinner. So this Thanksgiving, Nick took Roxanne to the bar where they had their first date. And then the next day to dinner where they had their second date and then proposed at the restaurant, which I think is pretty cool. Her family lives in Houston, so they're very happy he's playing with the Rangers. Oh, cool. Easy commute. I can't believe you got through that without singing. Roxanne. I'm better than that, Potty Mouth. (laughs) All right. Speaking about Okay, I did it in my head. (laughs) I'm going to open a beer before this next boyfriend. We got that? All right. And I'm going to pour this beer because I am so excited about Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. 27. Wait, I should probably finish the, pouring the beer. One thing in focus. Yeah. Focus. All right. Here we go. Wilson Contreras, catcher, which I, I really need on my fantasy team. From the Cubs, 27 years old, from Venezuela. And I would like to give a shout out to Sarah Sanchez of Bleed Cubby Blue for helping me out with Contreras because I've been admiring her posts about him. So I got a little bit of advice and some um, some tips that we're going to put in our show notes, some great articles that she's written. Uh, I'm also a little bit of a caveat. 
the the one time, I don't know, a couple times I've talked about him in the past. One was when he had this clash with my other boyfriend who I love and adore, Yadria Molina, when there's a little bit of a misunderstanding when Contreras said that he's he wants to be better than Molina was, which was sort of inferring that Molina no longer is a stellar player, um. which he is still playing right now. And Molina came out with this whole, like, respect the elders kind of tweet. That. There was a little bit of conflict. But I actually just saw a YouTube interview with Contreras, which was adorable. And it was before that whole kerfuffle. And he named... That's a drinking word, by the way. Adorable. Cheers, and everybody. Good thing my beer is poured. He, he In that interview, he named Molina as one of the people that he's he's uh, modeling himself after. So I'm thinking, and what he has said since then is that was supposed to be a, a compliment, and Molina yeah. just it was just yeah. it was just phrased a little bit wrong. So I, I'm all behind Contreras now. He got signed when he was 16 years old in Venezuela, and it is the best story. It was 2009, and he had his first tryout, and you know how they go down and they have the Venezuelan tryouts in various places, right? So first day he shows up, tries out. The scouts pull him aside and say. You're in. You're going to be playing for the Cubs someday. They go to their next location for tryouts, and he shows up. And the scout goes over to him like, I, I don't think you understood me yesterday. You're in. And Contreras said, yeah, I know. I just want to play. Oh. And that happened for the five times. So he kept – and some of these places were two or three hours away from his home, and he just wanted to play. Oh, that is so boyfriend material right yeah, there. Yeah, and, and not only that, but in that time, he played catcher the entire infield, not shortstop, first, second, and third, and left field and right field, which he also did when he was in the minors under the Cubs. So huge boyfriend material. When he came up in 2016, finally, he homered on his first pitch. His first phone call was to mom. Sure it was. Yeah. So you've got to love this. Also, there is some recent potty mouth cred. This past weekend was CubsCon, and there's a great interview clip with him where he tells a story with Marcelo Suna from the Phillies, who was my boyfriend last year from the Phillies, comes up to plate, and I guess they're buddies, and Azuna tells him, just, uh, shit, I, I think it was, tell him to throw a fastball down the middle. So he does. <laughs> so Azuna takes the pitch. He just lets it go by. What the hell? And so Contreras is like, what the fuck? And he literally said, what the fuck, in the interview in front of uh-huh. everybody. So, yes, you have my, like, undearing uh-huh. love, un- unending love there. And then the second pitch, the same thing happened. And the third pitch, the same thing happened. <laughs> and I think, I think he, yeah, so that was it. Three, you struck out. He struck out. Even though, like, Contreras had called all the pitches that he told him to call. So he was like, <laughs> dude, what's going on here? His on his bobble day, bobble day, bobblehead day. Oh, how much beer is this? Monday, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Bob- bobble day, <laughs> bobblehead day in 2018. He hit seven RBIs with a grand slam, and so he was an all star in both 18 and 19. He was on the World Series team his rookie year, and he was backing up David Ross, who is their new manager. So I'm thinking, even though that there's been a lot of talk about Contreras being on the trade block and he would be a mighty attractive trade thing, I'm thinking they're going to hang on to him because, I don't know, I've just got to think that Ross loves him so much he's going to go to bat for him, so to speak. Um, he They settled with his first-year arbitration deal for $4.5 million. He... Also, we've been talking about him on this podcast because of his sleeve, 
that of the mm-hmm. flag of Venezuela. Right. And there was that whole kerfuffle with MLB when they said you're not allowed to wear that anymore, even though he'd been wearing it for a fucking year and a half. And all of a sudden it's, oh, we notice it doesn't match your uniform. When that happened, he partnered with a T-shirt company, which is actually, I think, owned by Javi Baez called Obvious Shirts. And they made a Freedom for Venezuela shirt. And all of the proceeds go to an organization called I Love Venezuela which is doing good things there. And the other like super sweet baseball boyfriend thing, throwback to last week when I was talking about Albert Pujols, he has this special relationship with a kid with Down syndrome whose name is Daniel Rodriguez and met him first on one of those Cubs visits. The Cubs are a super service-oriented team. Um, So met him there, and then Daniel surprised him once and came to a game, and Contreras literally just took a time out and went over to chat with him. And he calls, they each call each other their best friend. And Contreras, I think, shoot, I didn't write down their relations. It's either a cousin, I I think it's a cousin he has with Downs. And so there's like a personal connection. And he has said that this kid is inspiring him so much, he wants to start a foundation someday soon for kids with Down syndrome. So that's my guy, Wilson Contreras. My guy with the Cubs is Nico Horner, who plays second base and also shortstop and is only 22 years old. Now, my last guy was Nick. Nico was Nicholas when he was born, but his parents didn't like Nick very much. But a family friend called him Nico and it stuck. The cool thing about that is that when you search on MLB.com for players, he's the only Nico. There's like 147,000 Nicks, but there's only one Nico. Nico Horner with the Cubs. He's my new boyfriend. He's from Oakland. He was, in high school, the small school player of the year nationally. He went to Stanford to play baseball from where the Cubs drafted him in the first round in 2018. And because, you know, he's a nerd, I do love the nerds, he delayed his signing with the Cubs until after final exams. Oh, of course. Right? Mm -hmm. Love this. All right. So he had a broken wrist, which kept him out May through June, so he only played 89 minor league games this past season, nothing above single A, but he also became the first player from his draft class of 2018 to get called up to the majors because he debuted September 19th. He skipped triple A altogether, mainly because both Javi Baez and Addison Frickin' Russell were hurt. So he had to come in and he played a little second base. He played a little short to to sub in for these guys. Um, on his debut, he went three for five. So it was a very good start. That's good. John Lester calls him a spark plug. I love Lester. Right? And mm-hmm. so we like when Lester says these things, that they you feel like they're sincere, right? Super. Definitely. It's like there's this young kid who just showed up and he is just ready to go. And he loves the game and he plays hard. And that's kind of good for the veterans to see. It's like, yeah. yeah I remember this. It's supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed to be fun. So he only had 20 starts, but he ended up with a 293 average and hit three home runs, and people loved that. His um, his cred's pretty good. Uh, in 2015, he volunteered for an orphanage in Peru as well as some local um, some some local charity work. His mom is a Stanford grad, also well, not also because he's not a Stanford grad yet, um, and she teaches at the Institute for East Asian Studies at Berkeley. So no slouch there. His dad is an English teacher at a private school. No slouch there. Um, He is spending the off season 
at Stanford trying to knock out some of his remaining 15 credit hours so he can graduate while he's playing. Nothing like resting up in the offseason. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually pretty cool. A lot of players never get around to that because they get Mm -hmm. drafted in their junior year. They never get around to it or they get around to it much later. He's trying to get it done now. He has also been, um, Patty Mouth mentioned the Cubs charities do so much good work. He's been involved in a lot of the events that they hold, including they just, as part of this um, Cubs convention, had a service day. One of the things they did was they packed $115,000 worth of baseball equipment for Chicago youth, youth organizations. So good. That's right? awesome. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty great. Also, while I was looking up Cubs stuff, I found some other Cubs news I thought I'd share with you because some of it is former boyfriend news. Ooh. Remember Carlos Asuaje? We hardly ever talk about Carlos Asuaje. Oh, I love Carlos Asuaje. They signed him to a minor league deal a couple weeks ago. So he's back, baby. He's back. Well, that's because he had been lighting it up in, in the Dominican League, right? Yeah. Yep. Was he or was he in Japan? Yeah, no, he was. Well, he was, he was first. In Japan he, first. Was, he was and, in Korea. Oh, Korea. He was in Korea. And then, and then he was in the Dominican League on the team that I was supporting. And then he got hit, hurt. His he was he was like one of the best batting averages on the team. But then he had a wrist injury. Yeah. Hopefully, he will be fine for the Cubs. Another cool thing that the Cubs charities are doing with Javi Baez, my former boyfriend, is they're rebuilding 25 Little League baseball and softball fields in Puerto Rico. Oh, that's some serious work. And then the final thing I want to say about the Cubs is, um, remember last year when um, Albert Almora, Alamora had that horrible foul ball line drive injure oh that God. small child, right? I don't know if you saw the news came back. A little while ago, that child has permanent brain yeah. damage and will have to be on medication for seizures the rest of her life. And Elamora is completely torn up about it. And he's been trying ever since this happened to reach out to the family and they're not making contact. I'm sure there are legal reasons for that. But he's he has been trying, but he is respecting their privacy. But this is the um, sort of the last straw that made Manfred say that all clubs have to have protective netting all the way to the foul poles for the coming season. Thank God. Yeah. Easy to do. Hey, we have good news. Good news. Happy. We this do. is a little bit happy. I, all right. I'm putting a big smile on my face, although the boyfriends were happy. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. But Alyssa Nakin, did I say that right? We even listened to the YouTube thing. I think it is. I think it's Nakin. Um, she has been hired as the first female full-time coach in the ma- in the majors That's with fantastic. the San Francisco Giants. And it's kind of amazing that it's taken this long to get to the first, but we've had part-time coaches like Justine Siegel with the A's. With this earlier this season, we talked about coaches who are being hired into organizations but working in the minors, which was Ra- Rachel Valkovec of the Yankees and Rachel Folden of the Cubs. We got to keep their, our eyes on them. But here we have a full-time coach in the majors. The, the little bit of a caveat is they said, I don't quite get this, that she can she's going to be in uniform before games, but probably not during games. They, there's a limit to the number of coaches who can be in the dugout. Okay. And her role, there are a lot of coaches that their roles are not specifically defined. And so they are not necessarily going to be in the dugout. Like your bench coach, your Mm -hmm, hitting coach, mm -hmm. your pitching coach, for sure. I don't know how many they can have. But there are a lot of other coaches who who aren't – and no matter – it's not a gender thing. It's not a a newbie thing. It's a what is your actual role. Position. Yeah. So I guess we have one more first to go through. We need a woman in uniform during a game. That's going to be an amazing symbol. We need that to happen. Um, But – Cheers. We're going to salute for now. We're going to drink for now with Alyssa. She's been with the Giants for a while. She actually has the ring from them from the 2014 series because she was interning doing analytics. Do you love that interns get World Series rings? 
That I do love that. <laughs> I'm so happy that, about yeah, that. That is a really good. Maybe I just need to fucking quit and intern somewhere. Um, and but she's been working with them so, since on directing health and wellness initiatives, which we know is a very important thing. So she's originally from the Bay Area, and she went to Woodland High School and played three sports there. And then she played softball in college, went on for a master's degree. Now, there has been a lot of shit online with the fact that she's a softball player coaching baseball. Most notably has been Aubrey Huff, who was a Giants player and has two rings. Shit, were his two rings before her? Did they overlap? I don't know, but they were both with Giants. Yeah, I think he was 10 and 12. Um, I should should have looked that up. Does Aubrey Huff have a new middle name? Aubrey fucking Huff. He is such an asshole. And I really, like, I'm even hesitant to talk about him here to give him more press. Because he has been such a supreme Twitter asshole recently between advocating people taking up guns if Bernie wins. I can't believe he's not banned from Twitter. Shouldn't they ban shit like this? He talked about kidnapping Iranian women. But we're talking about him. Why? We're talking about him because he basically said, and, and he tagged three of our boyfriends. He tagged our, our last year's picks, the two Brandons that have picked, ben, Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford, who are both my Giants boyfriends the past two seasons, and Buster Posey, tagged the three of them and said, like, basically, dudes, you're, like, working for a softball player. That's pathetic. I didn't put down his exact quote, but just just fuck him. Absolutely fuck him. And there's an article with uh, Alyssa's parents where her dad, like, addressed this and said, I hope he changes his mind, which is a lot more polite than I would have been. Oh, when they go low, we go high. Yeah. Wow. It's like just it's just nuts. And the, the best comment that I saw, and I think it was actually on an Instagram post, was how many men who have only played baseball in their lives are coaching women's softball leagues at any level, at every level. Right. And And no one seems to mind that. Exactly. Yeah. Can I give um, Gabe Kapler some credit, which is weird because, you know, we weren't big fans of his when he was with the Phillies, but he has made a concerted effort to hire a diverse group of coaches. His staff, he said, I want my staff to reflect our fan base, where we live, who's playing baseball reflect our players mm-hmm. and that's really that's where we need to go and he's he's really he's walking the walk and baby steps for Gabe Kapler and that you know the 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 praise is is hard to come by for him because of plenty of things wrong but this is a right thing that he's doing I want to acknowledge that okay good that's good new leaf with a capital L new leaf okay so as a, a, a show we are officially saying congratulations to Alyssa Nakin, if I can pronounce her name correctly. Sorry about that, Alyssa. We are really looking forward to looking to, to looking into what happens with this and how she does this year. So ends the little bit happy, oh, and now we move fuck. to the what the fuck. And I got to apologize to Potty Mouth because this is going to be even harder for you than it is for me because you're you're pretty close to all this. Yeah, we're going to give you a summary of. Where we are with the Astros cheating scandal, um, most of you probably know that the report came out this week. Can I tell you a refreshing thing? One of my friends said, "Oh, hey, you're going to record your podcast. Any- anything interesting going on this week?" Because there are people <laughs> in the world who are not up to their eyeballs in baseball cheating. All right. And God, you know, to be them right now mm-hmm. might be nice, right? Might be very nice. Okay, so here's here's what happened when the report came out. Um, Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch were both suspended for a year based by by Rob Manfred. And then the owner of the Astros flat out fired them, which I believe was probably the right thing to do, given the report. Mm -hmm. Right. The owner of the Astros said 
that's not enough. I want to go farther. It's unfair to the city of Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. So also, um, the team was fined $5 million, which is the highest amount allowed by something called the Major League Baseball Constitution. I didn't know they had one. I huh, want to like people. read that and then maybe sing the preamble. I don't mm-hmm. know, but that's that's on paper somewhere. So they could not be fined more than $5 million, which we know is a drop in the bucket. Right. The Astros, this is the one that I think hurts the most. They've lost their first and second round draft picks for the next two years. That's important. That's, that's the one that's going to hurt, right? Mm-hmm. That's an institutional issue there. There were no consequences for players or for the owner. Manfred had said up front that, you know, when he issued his warnings the past couple of years about, about using electronics for sign stealing, he said that the management would basically be the one to suffer the consequences. He, he laid that out. So I think he couldn't do other than that. But there was a very clear thing in the very first paragraph of the report saying the owner is not at all at fault, which seemed, I don't know. So there wasn't a statement saying that the ownership couldn't be held responsible. I believe I believe that is the case. Okay. So also, um, Alex Cora is out from the Red Sox, and that is because being of being named in the Astros cheating scheme. The um, Red Sox are still under investigation. Uh, Carlos Beltran is out with the Mets before even managing a game because he was named in this scheme. It's not saying the Mets are cheating. This is saying that he was heavily involved in constructing this plan when he was a player on the Astros. So again, this is not not Manfred issuing those. Those are the Red Sox and the Mets, respectively. And both of those teams say it's mutual. We have mutually agreed to part ways. Mm -hmm. And that's probably true. Mm -hmm. That is probably true in both of those cases. All of the baseball teams in the major leagues have been instructed by by the commissioner's office not to comment. So what does that mean? All of the teams? Like what, is what, what is all of the teams? Is that players? Is that management? This is what I'm not clear on. Is this like the, like the team, like the Dodgers are not supposed to issue a statement? Or does that mean the Dodgers and anybody who plays for them? Right. That is unclear to me because that, that leads into some other things that are happening right now. A- absolutely. Because I think it super leads into why the Astros players aren't saying anything. Because they're well, okay, they're, they? they're they're saying they're saying stuff, and they're just saying stuff that is pissing people off on the internet to no end. Because what they're not saying is apologizing; they're not or taking responsibility, anything. right? Yeah, right. And so my big question or my big concern there is why aren't they doing that, and how heavily they're being judged for not doing that without understanding why they're not doing that. I, I have this like huge mix. I, I'm angst. It's like I'm fucking depressed. This is this sucks. These are people who I previously a month ago, whatever, respected. And now to see so many people involved in so much shit is so heartbreaking. And I just want to understand why they did it. And I think that's what everybody wants to know. Everybody wants them to, to say their truth. And they're not. I don't think anybody wants to know why they did it because they did it to win. But if they did it, I think is the question. I think it's even more complex than that. And I almost think it's the other way around. They did it. Like the Astros did this. They've, mm-hmm. been, they've been convicted of it. I want to know the personal rationalizations that went through each person's mind for why they played their role. And I just don't like there's this whole like you're all assholes like trope going on but i can't i can't fall for that for all of them there's so many people involved 
I want to know wh- what's going on in their brains. Why? Well, I think that's what people are saying. Tell us what's going on. Right. But, but, but they're not saying it. Because there's no reason to. Only bad things will happen if they say anything. Right. That's it. They're pleading the fifth, basically. Right. You can't self-incriminate so, so in this country. When they're, giving, when they're giving interviews, it's all platitudes. Like, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to spring training. We're all going to be back. blah de blah It would be refreshing if somebody said, yep, right. I did it. But who's going to do that? Because then you're out forever. Right. And I don't right I mean, now there are no repercussions other than these yeah. personal ones. Right. There's no institutional repercussions for, for staying mum about this. Right. And of course, you know, so the first one that hits to my heart is my my first Astros boyfriend was Jose Altuve. And knowing his life story and go back to past podcasts to find out all the wonderful things about him. It's heart wrenching to see him. You know, that he's been just picked apart with his interviews and how he's saying things like, you know, we're just going to go back and win this year. And that's not what, what people want to hear at this point. They no. want to hear him reflect. No, you're right. But he's it just not people going off. to. It's right. just pissing people off more. Right. He, they're, they're, they are all in a no-win situation because legally they can't say a thing and – and for you know public opinion, they can't say enough. Mm-hmm. They need to say more. So so they're kind of screwed. Um, I don't really feel bad for them. That's where you and I are different about this. I'm like, yeah, well, okay, um, yeah, it's you know, it's you've been investigated. I just, I just feel like it's more complex than that. Like I'm just not at the you guys all suck phase. I feel like there's something in there. There's something that I don't know about. Well, there's how a lot this, we don't know, but yeah. I'm at the you guys are all implicated stage. Okay, so who else That's is on your suck. side? So, there's a few people on your side. Well, I don't know about my side, but I'm saying there there are you know there's a lot going on right now and. One point of view that I find fascinating and the kind of thing that makes you like smack your head and say, oh, right, are the pitchers, Mm -hmm. the reaction and the effect on the people who had to pitch against this scheme, this cheating scheme. So uh, Mike Clevenger of the Cleveland baseball team, I loved his bit um, because he had this interview while he was currently getting a tattoo, while it was actually happening, which I thought was way on brand for Clevenger, which is kind of fun. Takes your mind off it anyway. But he sort of echoed what we talked about initially with Mike Fierce and what he had said when he first brought attention to this. He said, this affects the livelihood of Mm -hmm. pitchers, right? These are guys who just come up and then they get sent back down. Their numbers are screwed because of this cheating scheme. They did their best, but their numbers don't reflect what they did. Their numbers reflect what happened because the other team cheated. And that's not okay. And Clevenger said, you know, these guys shouldn't be able to look us in the eye. And I think he's right about that. Yeah, well, things are going to get scary this year when any team is playing the Astros for the first time. Yeah, I think. Yeah, there certainly are like veiled threats about, well, we can throw the ball hard. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's ugly, and it's true. The other um, really, really good, well thought out thread on Twitter was by Aaron Dolan, who has the this the perspective of being married to Sean Doolittle, mm-hmm. reliever, who says this is what it's like for the players currently who face this. So. When a player, when a pitcher gets lit up by somebody, they spend right. hours looking at tapes, trying to figure out what's wrong with their mechanics. How do I fix it? They have to have these horrible interviews, you know, with the media saying, yeah, I screwed up. You know, I, you know, I did what I could do, but they, you know, they got me. They were the better team. And that stuff ends up not being true. And so these pitchers have spun their wheels so hard and so long to try to fix things that aren't actually broken. It's just that the other team knew what they were going to throw. Um, so that's kind of that. That was a really good glimpse at 
you know, here's some of the collateral damage. I mean, mm-hmm. grant, granted, you guys won. Well, bully for you, but also look what look what you've done. Look what look who you've destroyed. Um, Jerry Blevins, another pitcher, a relief pitcher, said, you know, the players should come forward. And I think a lot of us would like to see that, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Cody Bellinger also said the players need to be sanctioned. But, you know, there's that aforementioned piece that you said about the deal was that management was going to be sanctioned. And so now there's all this call out for players. So I don't know where that lies. I mean, Alex Wood of the Dodgers, and of course, the Dodgers are the ones who are bullshit about this. He said, I'd rather pitch to a guy on steroids any day than a guy who yeah. knew what my next pitch sure. is going to be. Sure. So yeah, so my my absolute pain from this, like worse than Altuve. I mean, Altuve hurts. I, I'm so sad. I'm just so sad about him. But Alex Cora is, of course, the, the link between the Astros and the Red Sox. And the Red Sox investigation has not come through yet. J.D. Martinez has come out saying there was nothing wrong going on here. I hope that they find that he's correct or at the very least that a lot of people were not involved. But, you know, man, I mean, I got (laughs) – talk about fucking irony. I got a T-shirt from Puerto Rico by the the Criollos de Caguas that says, In Cora We Trust. And – the fuck? Now that I can't wear anymore. I just can't. I haven't like gotten it together to bring it to Value Village yet because there was so much I loved about Cora. I loved his demeanor. I loved his bilingual press conses- conferences. I loved his rapport with the players. The players loved him so much. You know, and 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 baby uh, Rafael Devers is crushed. Mm-hmm by this. I mean, talk about uh, it's just I don't know what it's going to have a shit effect. I, I'm just writing off the Red Sox for this year, really. But uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean, I love it's, you know, and then there's that thing I've seen so much. What do lifelong Astros fans do? We have a great friend of the podcast, Brian Jones, who's like, you know, what the fuck are we doing right now? I know you didn't say that, Brian, but I'm putting that in your in your in your mouth right now. Um but I, I feel that. I feel like, what do you do when you're lifelong for a team? You just hope for a change. And I don't know. What do some... you tell the kids, right. man? What do you tell the kids? Hey, so it's not it's not like Potty Mouth and Cora, but Jessica Mendoza is my girl. I love me some Jess. If we had broadcasting boyfriends, Jess would have been my once and forever broadcasting boyfriend. She can hold her own against A-Rod. I mean, she's she's good. She's smart. And then, okay, so earlier this week, a really super cool thing happened. Jessica Mendoza became a board member of Baseball for All, and that's huge. That's great. Baseball for All is an incredible organization. Yes, we go love support it. them. We're impressed with what they, through Justin Siegel, are, are getting done. And Jessica Mendoza is super smart and super savvy, and she's a you know she's very visible. And I was thrilled. And then later this week, she became kind of adult in this one situation and it kills me it kills me that she did this and it's it's going bad in a bunch of different ways she was interviewed about the astros cheating scandal and remember she's not only employed by espn she's also employed by the mets yeah and this is where that just spotlights all of a sudden right and this happened right before i think beltron was let Uh go so it was like okay the same day so in this interview she was asked how she felt about mike fierce you know, coming forward to the media and talking about the wrongs he saw while with the Astros. And it's a long quote, but I'm going to read it because I think it's important. 
But to go public, it didn't sit well with me. It made me sad for the sport that that's how all this got found out. This wasn't something that MLB naturally investigated or that even other teams complained about because they naturally heard about and then investigations happened. It came from within. It was a player that was a part of it that benefited from it during the regular season when he was a part of that team. It's something you don't do. I totally get feeling your future telling your future teammates, helping them win, letting people know, but to go public with it and call them out is hard to swallow. Naturally? What the fuck does that mean? She said it twice. Yep. What does naturally mean? Yep. So, you know, I think, well, she then walked it back because she was immediately raked over the coals. She walked it back with a public statement that said um, what she meant was she's very glad this came about and it's being investigated. Oh. But, but that, that, Fear should not have gone directly to the media. He should have told his team and had it get reported up through MLB. Go. That is way different, way different than the first quote was interpreted. Well, okay, so I think you can get that from what that quote yeah, went, yeah, it makes but sense, that's not but that's how it not went. What people thought. It took off with mm-hmm. you know with snitches get stitches. It right. took off with you know you know being this Mets person and and all of this, but also she's still adult about this because people did know about it within teams and nothing was getting done until somebody did go to the media. So all these, oh, it should have been internal and all this. Well, that's crap. If on one hand you're saying you're glad it came to light and being investigated, it never would have. It never, ever would have unless somebody like Fears went to the media. And it's super important to note that Fears did this after he was with the Astros. So that comes after you left the Astros. Right, right. So at, so that comes full circle back to why these guys aren't talking now. They're still on the team. I think there's still that if you're on the team, there's something preventing you from talking. He talked after he was gone, and uh, Mendoza definitely didn't call this, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm ready to break up with Jess or— We'll give her a chance. Are we going to give her a chance? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm totally—like, I'm giving everybody a fucking chance. You are. I'm, I'm you are. I want to see. I want to see my girl Jess come back from this mm-hmm. because, again, I really admire her. But, oh, my God, she's so far off on this one. Um, the other remaining thing to talk about is that there are now manager gigs— we're, we're very close to spring training. Manager gigs are now open at the Astros, the Red Sox, and the Mets. And all the same guys are being interviewed for all the same jobs. I'm thinking this would be a good opportunity to maybe mix that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. One GM job at the Astros is not open. There are some women who are qualified. This might be the time because one of the problems with the Astros cited in this report is the toxic culture. Absolutely. Let's shake that up. Hire women. And somebody get Dusty Baker. Just because I love them. All right, really fast, because I know we're really going over time today. I'm going to give a quick uh, insight into what's going on with winter baseball. And, you know, in these dark times, in these cold nights, when you're just yearning for baseball, watch it. It's happening right now, and you can do it really easily if you have a computer. The Mexican Pacific League is still in the semifinals, and all the other leagues are in their final. Well, there are a couple that are done, but there's a bunch of finals going on. So this is really high-caliber baseball happening. In the Dominican Republic last week, I wrote off my team, and then my hopes got up. Like Everything that had to happen happened for them to be in a three-way tie for second place, but then they lost. Uh, this this was the Leones del Escogido. 
they lost in the first of that three-way playoff thing. So the the actual teams in the finals are the Tigres del Licey, who had a lovely funeral with a coffin and everything for the last team they beat. So oh. I don't like them so much anymore. That's gross. Because it was totally shitty. Like, really, That's like gross. your post-game celebration having a coffin with the opposing team's signia on it. Anyway, they're going up against the Toros del Este, so go Toros. In Puerto Rico, despite all the earthquake damage, we have finals going on, and it's the Cangrejeros de Santurce, who are currently winning as of time of recording. They're up 3-1 to one against the Indios de Mayagüez, and you can watch them on Facebook at Notices, N-O-T-I-S-E-I-S 360-P-R, and watch them quickly because they're only on through the 22nd, which is like the day after this drops, I think. Uh, yeah, I can't do math. Around there. Venezuela, one of my picks, is making it to the finals. So this is my only my second pick who's in the finals. Cardenales de Lara. They're going against the Caribes de Anzoategui. And uh, the, between the two of them, they've made the finals five times in the last 10 years in Venezuela, only facing each other once. In Cuba, there are new champions who are not allowed to go to the Caribbean series. Listen to our last week or week before episode for why. But it's the Cocodrilos de Matanza. And I did not pick them on this podcast. But if I had done like the teeniest, teeniest bit of research, I should have fucking picked them. Because for what from 2011 to 2017, they were managed by Victor Mesa, who's the father of my last year's boyfriend on the Marlins, Victor Victor, Victor Mesa. Mesa. <laughs> and, the other Ma- and the other one is Victor Mesa Jr. So, yeah, the, all the Victors, all the Mesas, they're doing good things. But yay, Cocodrilos de Matanza. They, they won, but they don't get to do anything with it. And then in Colombia, we talked about them last week, the Vaqueros de Moteria have now clinched the championship, and they are managed by a 28-year-old, and he happens to be Osne Osni Guillen. That who, sounds familiar. Who, yes, is the son, a younger son of Ozzy Guillen, former White Sox manager. I think he was with the Marlins one year, and he hasn't been doing much since. But man, his son has. He made it up to the minors, dislocated his shoulder like three times before he was like, you know, I I'm can't out. play baseball anymore, yeah. so I'm going to manage. And so when he was still 27, last season, he got picked as a manager for the Tri-City Valley Cats. Oh, hello, Albany. And in and in the Astros organization. Yep. So here's the future. And now he is uh, managing in Colombia. So there's a lot of stuff to pay attention to with Winter Ball. And as we approach this Caribbean series, pay attention. Watch baseball. It'll be fun. There's no scandal. No, there's a shit ton of scandal. But just just watch. Just <laughs> watch and enjoy. we don't it. understand because it's in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I'll translate it for you. Oh Don't you God. worry, dear listeners. We have to pick Boston and Arizona boyfriends for next week. So wish us luck. It's going to be tricky. It's going to yeah. be a tightrope. But we're going to do it for you. And we're going to hang on till baseball starts here again. Spring training is soon, right, Potty Mouth? It's only in 23 days, 6 hours, 32 minutes, and 48 seconds from the time of recording. Until then, please feel free to listen to some recent episodes. Tell your friends about us. Get caught up. If you have a chance to write a review and subscribe, please do. And find us on social media. Potty Mouth, where can they do that? Play with me on Twitter at NCB, NCIB Podcast or on Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball. 
on the web at nocryinginbebop.com to hear all those back episodes. So much for a little bit happy and a little bit what the fuck. Say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. <laughs>